0: Well, real quick, show of hands this morning, how many of you have read the book of Jonah? Four chapters, read the book of Jonah. Okay, if you haven't read the book of Jonah, how many of you know the story of Jonah, right? Got swallowed by, we always said a whale when I was a little kid, it was... Evidently a large fish. Uh, We'll get into that, I guess. Uh, So yeah, the book of Jonah, for those that don't remember, very quick recap. God speaks to his prophet Jonah, says, hey, I want you to go to the city of Nineveh and preach against it. You tell them that I'm going to judge them, that judgment's coming, I'm going to demolish them. And uh, and Joe's like, no, not going to do it. Uh, Now, Nineveh is the capital of of kind of the enemy of Israel, Assyria. And so Joe's like, nope, I'm not going to do it. In fact, he goes the opposite direction. He hops on a ship going to Tarsus, which is literally uh, the maps that we have. It's as far as you can go to the other end of the earth, away from where God tells him to go. And so God, uh, Jonah says no, God says woe not so fast, and uh, he he brings up a great storm, Uh, the sailors cast lots, then they cast Jonah over, Jonah's going to drown, miraculously he is saved by being swallowed by a gigantic fish. He survives in the belly of a fish, it must be a large fish, for three days and three nights, God spits him out, says, hey, uh, chance number two, go and preach to Nineveh. He goes to Nineveh finally, reluctantly. Preaches the shortest sermon ever recorded. In English, it's seven words. Uh, They, in spite of Jonah's reluctance, actually listen and repent. God is gracious. Jonah gets mad, and God teaches him a lesson. That's kind of the book of Jonah in like, you know, a minute and a half. So, uh, what can we learn from the book of Jonah? I think there's some huge lessons. And so here is the first lesson. I think if you're going to study Jonah, you need to learn this lesson. And it's this, that you can't flee from God's presence. You can't flee from God's presence, right? And so I'll just start at the beginning of the story. So verse 1 says God speaks to Jonah. Verse 2 says this. Here's what God says. He says, get up. And go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because their evil has come up before me. Right? And so that's what God says to Jonah. The problem is, Jonah, again, he hates the Assyrians. And, and he's definitely, he's like, I'm not going to their capital. I'm not going to do this. I, I don't want to, I, I don't want them to turn. I don't want them to repent. Uh, and, and and so listen, what, God, what Jonah does instead, so God says get up and go, and instead Jonah does this, verse 3. It says Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. Make, make clear, he's fleeing from Tarshish from the Lord's presence. He went down to Joppa. He found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare. He went down into it to go with them to Tarshish. Where? From the Lord's presence. If you read chapter 1 of Jonah, uh, it's it stated three times what Jonah is doing. He is trying to flee from the Lord's presence. He's, he's running away. That's, that's what he's doing, right? So, so God says go, Jonah says no, then God says, whoa, not so fast. Verse 4, but the Lord threw a great wind onto the sea, uh, and as, as such a great storm arose on the sea that the ship threatened to break apart right? And of course, this led to the sailors going, hey, uh, somebody, something's wrong here. They, they say, hey, we know that you're a worshiper of God. In fact, Jonah says, yes, I'm a worshiper of the creator of the heavens and the seas. And they're like, you're the problem. They cast lots. It goes to Jonah. They, they throw him overboard. And, uh, and of course, then he's swallowed up by a whale. He's spit onto the shore. And God tells him a second time to go to Nineveh. And, and here's what Jonah learns that I think Like I'll just be honest, I'd rather learn the lesson from him than have to learn it the hard way, right? It's the same lesson that David learned the hard way. And here it is, Uh, David says this in Psalm 139, he says, where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? And here's the answer, if I go up to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. What David is saying is the same thing that Jonah learned, you cannot flee from the presence of God. Some of you this morning, you need to hear that. Some of us this morning, we walk through these doors, uh, maybe before we, we showed up, and that's what we've been trying to do. Um, God's called us to something, and we're like, no, God, I, I don't want to go. No, God, I, I'm, I'm tired of being this person. I'm tired of always having to have it all right. I'm, I, I look at everybody else, they, they look like they're having fun. I, I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I, 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 no, God, no. And maybe you're in that process somewhere this morning you just need to hear this like like even in the midst of your rebellion God's there God's there he's with you right now okay and so that's the first thing you you cannot flee from the Lord's presence second lesson we learn uh, is this is that God has a plan for dealing with man's disobedience okay God has a plan for dealing with man's disobedience. One of the reasons I love the book of Jonah, a big churchy word, is the Christology in it, uh, that we see Christ in the book of Jonah. And, uh, and it all kind of goes down uh, right like, like this. How does God deal with Jonah's disobedience? Right? He sends the storm, he has Jonah thrown into the sea, and ultimately God's plan for his disobedience is this giant fish and Jonah is going to be swallowed up. It says this in verse 17. It says, So the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And, and this is a big deal. Uh, so God is dealing with the disobedience of Jonah, and, and he's dealing with, He's going to have him swallowed up by this fish. He's going to be there three days and three nights. And listen, this is foreshadowing for what's to come, right? Because Jonah is not the only one that disobeys God, Amen. Uh, we all disobey God. Scripture says we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. How does God intend to deal with the disobedience of mankind, right? And, and, and this is what it says in Matthew chapter 12. It says, then some of the scribes and the Pharisees said to him, that's to Jesus' teacher, we want to see a sign from you. And he answered them, an evil and adulterous generation demands a sign, That no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the huge fish three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. Isn't that awesome? In Christ, death, burial, and resurrection, God swallowed up man's disobedience. Can I say that again? In Christ, Death, burial, and resurrection, God swallowed up man's disobedience and provided a way that we could live again. Isn't that awesome? That's what we learn from the book of Jonah. God has a plan for our disobedience. Now listen, I'll just tell you right now, Jesus has done what you and I can't. He, he absolutely has. That's how we can have eternal life because, uh, because Christ died and was buried, because he was in uh, the belly of the earth for three days. That's, that's how we can have uh, eternal life. Um, but don't you think for a second that God will not in this life swallow you up for a moment or two in your disobedience, right, to get your attention. We've talked about that. God, God will do whatever it takes to get your attention. I pray that he doesn't have to. Uh, third thing I want you to know is that God is gracious not wanting anyone to perish. That's, that's proof from the book of Jonah. God is a gracious God, and he doesn't want anyone to perish. So listen, uh, Jonah, after God says it a second time, after he is miraculously saved from the depths, like Jonah actually prays at one point, and he's like, I was choking, the seaweed was wrapped around me, and, and God, there, you, you, you grabbed me, right? And so, so Jonah was about to die when God saves him, when he swallows him up. Uh, with this fish and, uh, and and listen, but then God says to him again, "I want you to go and I want you to preach to Nineveh." So so God spits him out on the shore. He has to walk. He's complaining about how big Nineveh is, uh, about how, how big you know. He's like, "Man, this three days walk, blah blah blah." Uh, so he finally gets there. This is how reluctant he is. God says, "I want you to preach to him." He only preaches a seven word sermon. In English, it's seven words. This is, this is what he says literally. In 40 days, Nineveh will be demolished. That's his sermon. Right? That sounds like one of my, my, one of my kids has a report that's due. And they're like, what is the minimum amount of words required? That's what I'm going to write. I'm serious. So, so Jonah, God's like, I want you to go and I want you to preach that they're going to be destroyed. How long till they're destroyed, Lord? 40 days. Cool, got it. 40 days, you're going to be destroyed. Done. Closes his book. He's off, right? And then he goes and and, and he waits. And he watches. Right? Only problem is that they took probably the worst sermon ever preached. And it pierced their hearts. And and even the king repented of his sin. The king of Assyria repented. Now listen. We've got the man of God. It's like, I'm going to disobey God. I don't care. You've got the, the most hedonist people you could imagine. And they're like, oh God, we're sorry. Right? I mean, you've got to see the juxtaposition here. And here's what God does uh, when they repent. Uh, Jonah 3.10, God saw their actions, that they had turned from their evil ways, so God relented from the disaster that he had threatened them with, and he did not do it. And Jonah got mad. Like, gosh. Gosh, I knew you would do this. In fact, that's what he says in Jonah 4, 1 through 3. It says, Jonah was greatly displeased and he became furious. He is mad at God. He prayed to the Lord, Please, Lord, isn't this what I said while I was in my own country? He said, that's why I fled toward Tarshish in the first place. I knew that you were a gracious and, faithful, uh, and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster. And now, Lord, just take my life from me. It's better for me to die than to live. And that nugget of truth that we see in Jonah's rant is something that we need to cling to. This truth about God, that God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and He relents from sending disaster. It's the same lesson that Peter learned. 2 Peter 3.9, he said, The Lord doesn't delay His promise, as some understand delay, but He's patient with you. Why? Not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. God is a loving, compassionate God. Some people hear about the reality of hell, and they think God is the meanest person that there could ever be. And I say to those people, why do you think you're still alive? Why do you think you still have breath? If, if, if God was, was mean, it would all be over and we'd all be in hell. But He's not. God is so gracious and compassionate that it seems like He's slow in coming. But He's not slow. He just wants everyone to come to know Him. Alright? It's a huge deal. Last lesson we learn From the book of Jonah, is this that like God, we should care deeply about people. Like God, we should care deeply about people. And so the story of Jonah goes like this Jonah preaches, they repent, God relents, Jonah throws a fit, he gets angry. He goes and he camps outside of the city and decides, you know what, I'm going to wait it out. Maybe God will change his mind again and he'll destroy them and I'll get to watch it. So he sets up a little camp for himself and he's watching the city going, get him God, get him God. And so God uh, sends a little vine and that vine grows this big leaf and it provides shade for Jonah and he's loving life. and He's like, I'm going to watch him right here in the shade and it's all going to be good. The very next day, God sends a worm to eat the vine and it withers and it dies and Jonah again curses God. I just wish I was dead. How dare how the, my vine is gone. Oh, my vine. This vine that popped up out of nowhere that gave me shade, it's ruined. Oh, my vine. I wish I had my vine. And God says, Joe, what are you thinking? What? Do you hear yourself? And this is what God says to Jonah in chapter 4, verse 10 and 11. It says, The Lord says, You cared about the plant which you did not labor over and you did not grow. It appeared in a night and perished in a night. So may I not care about the great city of Nineveh, which has more people than 120,000 people who cannot distinguish between their right and their left as well as many animals? God's going, Jonah, man, you're, you're, you're caring about this vine, and yet you have no regard for these people. And you may say, well, that's silly. That's not me. It's not. Don't we often get caught up in stuff and we elevate things over people? Which is the opposite of God's way, but we do. We get really upset over things. And yet when people... And, and their eternity is at stake. We, we, we tend to, like, we're, we're worried about all this surface level stuff that doesn't matter. And, I, guys, I, I preach it a lot here. I think if the church in America is going to be a force again, we've got to repent of this, of putting things over people. We've got to become people that are so compassionate towards others. And we care so much about the eternity of people that we make people first again. Uh, right there next to God, right? Loving God, second commandment, loving people. All the things, all the other stuff has to come way below that. Uh, so what, what do we do with the book of Jonah? That's a question, by the way, you should ask yourself no matter what you read, no matter what you study in the Bible. Lord, what should I do with this? It's why we have an application section every single week. I, I, think, I think here's the challenges that the book of Jonah lays out for me, for me. I, I think they'll apply to you. Number one, I think the book of Jonah calls me to stop trying to hide from God. Okay? This is the epitome of how stupid we are. I love you. I'm, I'm one of you. I'm, I'm the chief of sinners of the church. I'm telling you, we could sit down if you want to have a little sin swap. We'd go through it. I'm an idiot. Alright? So I'm, I'm just telling you that we all think that we can hide our, our emotions and how we feel about God, that we can hide. We all think that we can kind of, like, oh, it's it, like we can hide from, the, I'm, I'm telling you, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, God sees it, God knows it, God's there. And, and so we have this tendency to think, well, I just won't talk to God about it, and it'll be okay, and I'll compartmentalize this area of my life and everything else, and, and everybody sees this side, and I've got this hidden side. And God's like, dude, nothing is hidden from me. Nothing. And, and so I just want to say this to you. This is, this is remarkable. I want you to think about the amount of time, energy, and effort that you put in to running from God's plan for your life and trying to hide from God just think about how much energy you put into that and what if instead you realize wait a second that's all pointless because I can't I can't do either of those I can't run from God and I can't hide from God and instead this is this is revolutionary instead you turn to God and just talk to him about the stuff you were trying to hide to God listen I'm struggling down here and 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 there's a part of me, if I'm honest, that doesn't want what you want from me. And in everything in me, I want to run to torches. That's what I want. Man, in my flesh, this battle is going on, and Lord, so I'm gonna to turn to you because you see me and you know me. So God help me. How different would your life be if, if that just became a very simple mechanism of your faith journey? On a regular basis, you just turn to God instead of trying to run or to hide from God. I think it'd be huge. So, number one, stop trying to hide. Number two, receive God's gracious plan. Right? Receive God's gracious plan. God has a gracious plan to deal with your disobedience, He is a gracious God. He is. So receive, how do I receive His plan? Number one, you've got to receive Jesus. Okay, that's where it all begins. That is God's gracious plan for you. We do not deserve eternal life, right? We, we deserve death and hell. That's what we deserve. But God has sent His Son, Jesus. Jesus lived the perfect life that you couldn't. He died on the, the cross in your place. He was buried so that death could be swallowed up and conquered in victory. Right? And he rose again on the third day so that you could have eternal life and be a child of God. So you gotta start here. You gotta receive that. Say, Jesus, I I believe in you. I'm sorry for my sin. I need you to come into my life. Right? Change me. So so we start there, but but listen, that's that's not where God's plan for you stops. God saves you for a reason, and He calls you with a purpose to go and do something for His kingdom. And that's the thing you've got to stop fighting against. And it happens, man. Bro, I'm telling you, I've been doing ministry for 21 years. It is a unique deal, right? Right? And and I know you guys think about people in ministry think, man, they're killing it all the time. It's great all the time. Let me tell you, it is a lonely place and it is a hard place. And man, the spiritual component alone and the battle, like, like I feel like some, I, I know every, like, The enemy is real in everyone's life. But I'm telling you, in the life of somebody that's called to ministry, it is like 24-7, never get a break, always there, always beating. And in your good moments, it's great. But man, in your weak moments, which we all have, it is so hard. Because you feel like everything is at stake. And it's easy in that. And here's why I'm saying this, because we're all in ministry. See, you thought I was talking about me. See, we're all ministers. And so it's hard on all of us. And in that, there are going to be times that you want a break. That's how you're going to feel. Like, I just want a break. I just need a moment. And, And because you're wayward and you're sinful, you're going to stray from God's plan for your life. Some of you are hearing me right now, and you're in that process right now. what I'm saying is, God has a plan for you. And you know what? I promise you, His plan is better than whatever you're trying to figure out on your own. I promise you. His plan is better than what... I, I, like. Can anybody look back with perspective? Perspective's always important in, in your walk with the Lord. In, in, in perspective, looking back, think about the times that you've tried to hide from God and how those worked out. How'd that go? Anybody want to Testify. Anybody say, it was awesome, it was great. Man, it wasn't, it was terrible, right? Dumbest thing you could ever do. And yet we do it. So what I'm telling you, if, in your, if you're in the midst of something really stupid right now, just turn back to God. He has a better plan for your life. That's what we learned from the book of Jonah. God's plan is infinitely better than yours. I promise, I promise. Last thing I think the book of Jonah challenged us to, and that is to share God's gracious plan with those that need it. To share God's gracious plan with those that need it. Friends, this is why we exist. We exist to be messengers of God. We exist to share the gospel with other people that need it. And boy, we live in a world of people that need it. You wanna know who the number one person that needs the gospel is? You ready? You looked at them in the mirror this morning. It's you. You need the gospel every day. I need to preach the gospel to myself every day to remind myself that I'm in great need of Christ, to remind myself that Christ has a plan for me, and to remind myself that I am called to be a messenger of the gospel to other people on a regular basis. And it's going to be a fight, folks, but it's a fight that is well worth it, all right? There's a couple ways we can do life. We can submit to God's plan, or we can keep trying to do it on our own, keep trying to hide, And listen, God deals with that. He does. I pray that he doesn't have to deal with that in my life or your life. I pray that just hearing this calls us back to that place where we say, God, I want what you want more than anything else. Can we pray for that? Let's pray for that this morning. Um, Father God, we pray this morning that um, our hearts have been pricked by the truth of your word. And God, more than anything else, we just recognize, God, we need you. God, would you forgive us? For our waywardness, would you forgive us for the times that we know what you call us to do, and the times that in the midst of what you call us to do, we choose to flee or to run away because we're tired, or or we don't want to, or we just we can't imagine. You know these people, Uh, God. would, Would you just just man break our hearts over that grave sin, and God, would you bring us back to you, Father, so that we can do what you've called us to do, unlike Jonah. May we do it with grateful hearts. May we do it to the best of our ability, not the least. And God, may you use that to do great things in this world for your kingdom and for your cause. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.